0: Welcome to episode 35 of the Shark Bites podcast, a Throwdown Thursday production. I'm your host, Patrick Rahal, and this week I'm going to be participating in the podcast blackout. So instead of my normal routine, I'm just going to be giving you a list of names of folks who uh, were unlawfully killed by police or as a result of uh, outdated laws. These are all unarmed black folks. Uh, some of them in police custody, and some of them uh, children. So I'm just going to start. And, uh, Trayvon Martin, who was born February 5, 1995, and died February 26, 2012, was a 17-year-old African-American from Miami Gardens, Florida, who was fatally shot in Sanford, Florida, by George Zimmerman. Martin had gone with his father on a visit to his father's fiancée at her townhouse in the retreat at Twin Lakes in Sanford. On the evening of February 26, Martin was walking back alone to the fiancée's house from a nearby convenience store. Zimmerman, a member of the Community Watch, saw Martin and reported him to the Stanford police as suspicious. Several minutes later, there was an altercation, and Zimmerman fatally shot Martin in the chest. Zimmerman was injured during the encounter and claimed he had been defending himself. He was not charged at the time. The police said there was no evidence to refute his claim of self-defense and that Florida's Stand Your Ground law prohibited them from arresting or charging him. After national media focused on the incident, Zimmerman was eventually charged and tried, but the jury acquitted him of second-degree murder and manslaughter in July 2013. On November 22, 2014, Tamir Rice, a 12-year-old African-American boy, was killed in Cleveland, Ohio, by Timothy Lohman, a 26-year-old police officer. Rice was carrying a replica airsoft gun. And Lohman shot him almost immediately after arriving on the scene. Two officers, Lohman and 46-year-old Frank Garmbeck, were responding to a police dispatch call regarding a male who keeps pulling a gun out of his pants and pointing it at people. Caller reported that the mail was pointing, quote, a pistol at random people at the Cuddle Recreation Center, a park in the city of Cleveland's Public Works Department. At the beginning of the call, and again in the middle, he says of the pistol, it's probably fake. Toward the end of the two-minute call, the caller states that, quote, he is probably a juvenile. However, this information was not relayed to officers Lohman or Garnbeck on the initial dispatch. The officers reported that upon their arrival, they both continually, continuously yelled, show me your hands, through the open patrol car window. Loman further stated that instead of showing his hands, it appeared as if Rice was trying to draw. Quote, I knew it was a gun, and I knew it was coming out. In response, the officer shot twice, hitting Rice once in the torso. He died the following day. Rice's gun was f- later found to be an airsoft replica that lacked the orange-tipped barrel, which would have indicated it was a toy gun. A surveillance video of the incident was released by the police four days after the shooting on November 26th. On June 3rd, 2015, the Cuyahoga County Sheriff's Department declared that their investigation had been completed and that they had turned their findings over to the county prosecutor. Several months later, the prosecutor presented evidence to a grand jury, which declined to indict primarily on the basis that Rice was drawing what appeared to be an actual firearm from his waist as the police arrived. A lawsuit brought against the city of Cleveland by Rice's family was subsequently settled for $6 million. On August 9, 2014, Michael Brown Jr., an 18-year-old black man, was fatally shot by 28-year-old white Ferguson police officer Darren Wilson in the city of Ferguson, Missouri, a suburb of St. Louis. Brown was accompanied by his 22-year-old friend Dorian Johnson. Wilson said that an altercation ensued when Brown attacked Wilson in his police vehicle for control of Wilson's gun until it was fired. Johnson stated that Wilson initiated a confrontation by grabbing Brown by the neck through his car window, threatening him, and then shooting him. At this point, both Wilson and Johnson state that Brown and Johnson fled, with Wilson pursuing Brown shortly thereafter. Wilson stated that Brown stopped and charged him after a short pursuit Johnson contradicted this account, stating that Brown turned around with his hands raised after Wilson shot at his back. According to Johnson, Wilson then shot Brown multiple times until Brown fell to the ground. In the entire altercation, Wilson fired a total of 12 bullets, including twice during the struggle in the car. The last was probably the fatal shot. Brown was hit six times, all from the front. On July 17th, 2014, Eric Garner died in the New York City borough of Staten Island after Daniel Pantaleo, a New York City Police Department officer, put him in a chokehold while arresting him. Video footage of the incident generated widespread national attention and raised questions about the appropriate use of force by law enforcement. Again, that's July 17th, 2014. NYPD officers approached Garner on July 17th on suspicion of selling single cigarettes from packs without tax stamps. After Garner told the police that he was tired of being harassed and he was not selling cigarettes, the officers attempted to arrest Garner. When Pantaleo placed his hands on Garner, Garner pulled his hands away, his arms away. Pantaleo then placed his arm around Garner's neck and wrestled him to the ground. With multiple officers pinning him down, Garner repeated the words, I can't breathe, 11 times while lying face down on the sidewalk. After Garner lost consciousness, officer turned him on on his side to ease his breathing. Garner remained lying on the sidewalk for seven minutes while the officers waited for an ambulance to arrive. Garner was pronounced dead at an area hospital approximately one hour later. The medical examiner ruled Garner's death a homicide. According to the medical examiner's definition, a homicide is a death caused by the intentional actions of another person or persons. The use of the term does not necessarily mean that a crime was committed. Specifically, an autopsy indicated that Garner's death resulted from, quote, compression of neck chokehold, compression of chest and prone position during physical restraint by police, asthma and heart disease, asthma and diabetes, as well as obesity, were cited as contributing factors. On December 4th, 2014, a Richmond County grand jury decided not to indict Pantaleo. The decision ter- stirred public protests and rallies with charges of police brutality made by protesters. By December 28, 2014, at least 50 demonstrations had been held nationwide in response to the Garner case, while hundreds of demonstrations against police brutality count- counted Garner as a focal point on July 13th, 2015, roughly a year, uh, r- almost a year to the day, an out-of-court settlement was announced when the city of New York would pay the Garner family 5.9 million. In 2019, the United States Department of Justice decided to bring criminal charges against Pantaleo under federal civil rights laws. A New York Police Department disciplinary hearing regarding Pantaleo's treatment of Garner was held in the summer of 2019 on August 2, 2019 an administrative judge recommended that Pantaleo's employment be determined. Pantaleo was fired on August 19th, 2019, more than five years after Garner's death. Sandra Bland was a 28-year-old African-American woman who was found hanged in a jail cell in Waller County, Texas, on July 13th, 2015. So on the same day that... Uh, the New York City settled with uh, the family of uh, Eric Garner. Three days after being arrested during a pretextual traffic stop, her death was ruled a suicide. It was followed by protests against her arrest, disputing the cause of her death, and alleging ra- racial violence against her. Bland was pulled over for a minor traffic violation on July 10th by state tr- trooper Brian Ancinia. The exchange escalated, resulting in Bland's arrest and charge for assaulting a police officer. The arrest was partially recorded by Insinia's dash cam, a bystander's cell phone, and Bland's own cell phone. After authorities reviewed the dash cam footage, Insinia was placed on administrative leave for failing to follow proper traffic stop procedures. Texas authorities and the FBI conducted an investigation into Bland's death, and determined that the Waller County Jail did not follow required policies, including time checks on inmates and ensuring that employees had completed mental health training. In December 2015, a grand jury declined to indict the county sheriff and jail staff for a felony relating to Bland's death. The following month, Encinia was indicted for perjury for making false statements about the circumstances surrounding Bland's arrest, and he was subsequently fired by the Texas Department of Public Safety. In September 2016, Bland's mother settled a wrongful death lawsuit against the county jail and police department for $1.9 million and some procedural changes. In June 2017, the perjury charge against Encinier was dropped in return for his agreement to permanently end his law enforcement career. In 2019, Bland's cell phone video became available to the public and to Bland's family for the first time. The video was obtained and shown by Dallas news station WFAA. The video was not available during the civil trials. On April 12, 2015, Freddie Carlos Gray Jr., a 25-year-old black man, was arrested by the Baltimore Police Department and subsequently charged for possessing a knife. While being transported in a police van, Gray fell into a coma and was taken to the R. Adams Collie Shock Trauma Center. Gray died on April 19, 2015. His death was ascribed to injuries to his spinal cord. On April 21, 2015, pending an investigation of the incident, six Baltimore police officers were suspended with pay. The circumstances of the injuries were initially unclear. Eyewitness accounts suggested that the officers involved used unnecessary force against Gray during the arrest, a claim denied by all officers involved. Commissioner Anthony W. Batts reported that, contrary to department policy, the officers did not secure him inside the van while driving to the police station. This policy had been put into effect six days prior to Gray's arrest, following review of other transport-related injuries sustained during police custody in the city and elsewhere in the country during the preceding years. The medical investigation found that Gray had sustained the injuries while in transport. The medical Adva- examiner's office concluded that Gray's death could not be ruled an accident and was instead a homicide because officers failed to follow safety procedures, quote, through acts of omission. On May 1, 2015, Baltimore City State Attorney Marilyn Mosby announced her office filed charges against six police officers after the medical examiner's report ruled Gray's death a homicide. The prosecutor stated they had probable cause to file criminal charges against the six police officers who were were believed to be involved in his death. The officer driving the van was charged with second-degree depraved heart murder for his indifference to the considerable risk that Gray might be killed. And others were charged with crimes ranging from manslaughter to illegal arrest. On May 21st, a grand jury indicted the officers on most of the original charges filed by Mosby, with the exception of the charges of illegal, of illegal imprisonment and false arrest, and added charges of reckless endangerment to all officers were to all the officers involved, Gray's hospitalization and subsequent death resulted in an ongoing series of protests. On April 25, 2015, a major protest in Baltimore turned violent, resulting in 34 arrests and injuries to 15 police officers. After Gray's funeral on April 27th, civil disorder intensified with looting and burning of local businesses and a CVS drugstore, culminating with a state of emergency declaration by Governor Larry Hogan, Maryland National Guard deployment to Baltimore, and the establishment of a curfew. On May 3rd, the National Guard started withdrawing from Baltimore, and the night night curfew on the city was lifted. In September 2015, it was decided that there would be separate trials for the accused. The trial against Officer William Porter ended in a mistrial. Officers Nero, Goodson, and Rice were acquitted. The remaining charges against the officers were dropped on July 27, 2016. On September 12, 2017, the United States Department of Justice announced it would not bring federal charges against the six Baltimore police officers involved in the arrest and in-custody death of Freddie Gray. However, it was announced on october fifth, twenty seventeen that non criminal internal disciplinary trials for the officers will be prosecuted by a three person panel chaired by someone from another Maryland police agency, likely Prince George's County, and that outside lawyer and former chair of the Baltimore School Board Baltimore City School Board, Neil Duke, will serve on the panel as well. On July 5th, 2016, Alton Sterling, a 37-year-old black man, was shot dead at close range by two white Baton Rouge Police Department officers in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The officers were attempting to control Sterling's arm, and Sterling was shot by them after repeatedly reaching for the loaded thirty-eight caliber handgun in his pocket. Police were responding to a report that a man in a red shirt was selling CDs and that he had used a gun to threaten a man outside a convenience store. The owner of the store where the shooting occurred said that Sterling had started carrying a gun a few days prior to the event, as other CD vendors had been robbed recently. He also said that Sterling was, quote, not the one causing trouble during the situation that led to the police being called. The shooting was recorded by multiple bystanders. The shooting led to protests in Baton Rouge and a request for civil rights investigation by the United States Department of Justice. The Department of Justice investigated, but in May 2017, decided it would not file criminal charges against the police officers. In response, Louisiana's Attorney General Jeff Landry said the state of Louisiana would open an investigation into the shooting once the Department of Justice released the physical evidence. In March 2018, Landry's office announced it would not bring charges against the officers, stating that they acted in a reasonable and justified manner. On July 6, 2016, Philando Castile, a 32-year-old African-American man, was fatally shot during a traffic stop by Geronimo Yanez, a 28-year-old Hispanic-American police officer from St. Anthony, Minnesota. Castile was driving with his partner, Diamond Reynolds, and her four-year-old daughter when at 9 p.m. their vehicle was pulled over by Yanez and another officer in Falcon Heights, a suburb of St. Paul, Minnesota. After being asked for his license and registration, Castile told Officer Yanez that he had a firearm Castile was licensed to carry, to which Yanez replied, don't reach for it then. And Castile said, I'm, I, I was reaching for, Yanez said, don't pull it out. Castile replied, I'm not pulling it out. And Reynolds replied, he's not. Yanez repeated, don't pull it out, and then shot at Castile at close range seven times, hitting him five times. Castile died at 9.37 p.m. at Hennepin County Medical Center about 20 minutes after being shot. Just to reiterate, he was shot at close range five times, which means the officer missed twice at close range. Castile was sitting in the passenger seat and... Uh, I believe he was in the passenger seat. Either way, uh, there was also a four-year-old child in the back seat. So he was shot and killed in front of a four-year-old child. Reynolds posted a live stream video on Facebook in the immediate aftermath of the shooting, which prompted the incident to achieve national notoriety. There were local and national protests, and five months after the incident, Yanez was charged with second-degree manslaughter and two counts of dangerous discharge of a firearm. After five days of deliberation, he was acquitted of all charges on June 6, 2017 in a jury trial and was immediately fired by the city of St. Anthony. Wrongful death lawsuits against the city brought, brought by Reynolds and Castile's family were settled for $3.8 million. On September 6, 2018, off-duty police department patrol officer Amber Geiger entered the Dallas, Texas apartment of the 26-year-old, accountant, Botham Jean, and fatally shot him. Geiger said that she had entered the apartment believing it was her own and that she had shot Jean believing he was a burglar. I'm going to read that again. Geiger said that she had entered the apartment believing it was her own and that she shot him believing he was a burglar. The fact that Geiger, a white police officer, shot and killed Jean an unarmed black man, was initially only charged with manslaughter, resulted in the process of accusations, proce- I'm sorry, resulted in protests and accusation of racial bias. On October 1st, 2019, Geiger was found guilty of murder. The next day, she received a te- sentence of 10 years in prison. So I'm going to give a little bit more background on this. Geiger's apartment was on the third floor, directly below Jean's apartment on the fourth in a building with mostly identical floor plans on each level. Geiger testified that she thought the apartment was her own and that she found the door slightly ajar. She testified that she thought Jean was an intruder in the darking living room of her own apartment, when in fact Jean was killed in his own apartment. She claimed she feared Jean would kill her, but he was unarmed. After Geiger shot Jean, she thought she called 911 He was taken to a nearby hospital where he died from his wound. The Texas Rangers investigated the shooting, which led to Geiger's arrest three days later. She was initially charged with manslaughter, but then later charged with murder. The initial charge of manslaughter and the racial aspect of the shooting resulted in protests in the following days. The Dallas Police Department placed Geiger on administrative leave after the shooting. The department fired her on September 24, 2018. Tatiana Coquise Jefferson, a 28-year-old woman, was fatally shot in her home by a police officer in Fort Worth, Texas, in the early morning of October 12, 2019. Police arrived at her home after a neighbor called a non-emergency number, seeing that Jefferson's front door was open. Police body camera footage showed that when she came to her window to observe police outside her home, Officer Aaron Dean shot shot through it and killed her. Police stated that they found a handgun near her body, which according to her eight-year-old nephew, she was pointing toward the window before being shot. On October 14, 2019, Dean resigned from the Fort Worth Police Department and was arrested on a murder charge. On December 20, 2019, Dean was indicted for murder. Jefferson was black and the officer who shot her is white, prompting news outlets to compare Jefferson shooting to the September to the September twenty eighteen murder of Botham Jean. <sighs> on February twenty third two thousand twenty, Ahmad Marquez Arbery, an unarmed twenty five year old African American man, was fatally shot near Brunswick in Glynn County, Georgia, while jogging on Holmes Road just before the intersection with Satia Drive and the Satia Shores neighborhood. Arbery had been pursued and confronted by two white residents, Travis McMichael and his father Gregory, who were armed and driving a pickup truck. The event was recorded on a video by a third Satia Shores resident, William Bryan, who was following Arbery in a second vehicle. The death and events following the investigation have sparked debates about the lack of racial equality and have been reported internationally. The Glynn County Police Department said the Brunswick District Attorney's Office advised them on tw- February 23rd to make no arrests. Well the Brunswick District attorney o- Attorney's Office denied that such advice had been given to the GCPD by either the Brunswick District Attorney or her assistant district attorney. On February 24th, Waycross Judicial Circuit District Attorney George Barnhill, who had not yet been assigned to the case, advised the GCPD that no arrests should be made. Barnhill officially took over the case on February 27th. On April 2nd, Barnhill again advised the GCPD to make no arrests, while announcing his intention to recuse the case due to connections between Gregory McMichael and Barnhill's son. Barnhill requested recusal on April 7th. The case was ultimately transferred to the Cobb County District Attorney's Office, the fourth prosecutor's office to handle the case. (sighs) At the behest of Gregory McMichael, a local attorney provided a copy of the video of the shooting to local radio station WGIG, who posted it to their website on May 5th. The video went viral, having also been posted on YouTube and Twitter. Within hours, Durden said a grand jury would decide whether the charges would be brought and accepted an offer from Governor Brian Kemp to have the Georgia Georgia Bureau of Investigation investigate the case. On May 7th, the GBI arrested the McMichaels and charged them with felony murder and aggravated assault. So February 23rd is when it happened. May 7th is when they were arrested. On May 21st, Uh, No, May 21st, Brian was arrested and charged with felony murder and attempted false imprisonment. On June 4th, additional evidence was presented by the prosecutor to support the murder charges, including a statement to the GBI by William Bryan that Travis McMichael had said, fucking, and I will not say that next word, but you can uh, determine by my... Uh, refusal to say the word, what word that is, while standing over Arbery's body. The alleged use of a racial slur could factor into a federal investigation looking into whether or not hate crime charges will be brought. The fact that the McMichaels were not arrested until 74 days later, say that again, the fact that the McMichaels were not arrested until 74 days later, after the video went viral, sparked debates on racial profiling in America. Numerous religious leaders, politicians, athletes, and other celebrities condemned the incident. The GCPD and Brunswick District Attorney's Office were nationally criticized for their handling of the case and the delayed arrests. Georgia Attorney General Christopher M. Carr formally requested the intervention of the FBI in the case on May 10th, which the FBI granted the following day. On March 13, 2020, Breonna Taylor, a 26-year-old African-American emergency medical technician, was fatally shot by Louisville Metro Police Department uh, officers. Three LMPD officers forced entry into her apartment in Louisville, Kentucky, under the authority of a search warrant. Gunfire was exchanged between Taylor's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, and the officers. Walker said he believed that the officers were intruders. The LMPD officers fired over 20 shots. Taylor was shot eight times. Mattingly was injured by gunfire. Another police officer and an LMPD lieutenant were on the scene when the warrant was executed. So Let me say this again. The LMPD officers fired over 20 shots. Taylor was shot eight times. And Mattingly was injured by gunfire. 20 shots. Eight say nine hit, that's under 50%. So this myth that police are somehow these crack shots or sharpshooters and can control themselves when when shooting their gun, as we've seen in multiple cases, uh, simply isn't true. Um, Even at close range, they still miss multiple times. So uh, why we need cops to have guns Uh, That's a debate for another day. The LMPD investigation was searching for two people who were already in police custody. I'm going to repeat that. The Louisville Metro Police Department investigation was searching for two people who were already in police custody. So the people they were looking for, they already had and suspected of selling controlled substances from a drug house more than 10 miles away. So once more, the LMPD investigation was searching for two people who were already in custody and suspected of selling a controlled substance from a drug house more than 10 miles away. So not only were the people already in custody, the address that they were looking for was 10 miles away away. One of the people in custody, Jamarcus Glover, had a prior relationship with Taylor. The search warrant included Taylor's residence because it was suspected of receiving drugs in the case, and because a car registered to Taylor had been parked on several occasions in front of Glover's house. No drugs were found in the apartment. Walker was licensed to carry a firearm and fired first, injuring a law enforcement officer, whereupon police returned fire into the apartment with more than 20 rounds. According to a wrongful death lawsuit filed against the police by the Taylor Taylor family's attorney, the officers entered the home without knocking or announcing they were police officers and allegedly opening fire with a total disregard for the value of human life. George Perry Floyd, Jr., born October 14th, 1973, died May 25th, 2020. He was an African-American man who was killed by police during an arrest in Minneapolis. Protests in response to both Floyd's death and, more broadly, to police violence against other black people quickly spread across the United States and internationally. Floyd grew up in Houston, Texas. He excelled in football and played other sports throughout high school and college. Called Perry by his friends and family, Floyd was characterized by people who knew him as a gentle giant. A blue-collar worker, Floyd was also an early contributor to the development of Houston's hip-hop scene and a mentor who was active in his religious community. Later, he faced several arrests for theft and drug possession. In 2009, he made a plea deal for an armed robbery, serving four years in prison. In 2014, he moved to the Minneapolis, Minnesota area. Uh, finding work both as a truck driver and a bouncer. In 2020, he lost a security job because of the COVID-19 pandemic. He died after being arrested for allegedly using counterfeit money to buy cigarettes. During the arrest, Derek Chauvin, a white police officer, knelt on his neck and back for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. Details of his arrest, death, and the actions of the officers have led to international Black Lives protests calls for police reform, and legislation to address perceived racial inequalities. That's all I have for this week's show. Um, Next week I will be back with my usual format, but I figured this was a very important thing. Uh, I wanted to get some information out there. Everything I read was straight off of Wikipedia. I apologize if I uh, mispronounce anyone's names. there wasn't a, uh, a pronunciation guide. So unfortunately I had to kind of do my best with some of the names. Um, I'm not sure, you know, city names, people's names. Um, <clears throat> I mean, no disrespect, uh, if I did mispronounce anyone's name, um, that's all I've got. That's this week's show. Um, I just, I don't have any other words. Um, have a great week folks. Uh, Be kind to each other. Black lives matter.